0: The Financial Action Task Force placed South Africa on its grey list, joining the dubious ranks of the DRC, South Sudan and Syria, among others. So what does this mean for our country's economy, for our financial sector and also our international reputation? What does it mean for South Africans doing business and investing abroad? And perhaps most importantly of all, what do we need to do to get off the list? And how quickly can we do it? This is No Ordinary Wednesday, an in-depth look at events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. Welcome, I'm Jeremy Maggs. Now, the Financial Action Task Force has noted serious weaknesses in South Africa's anti-money laundering frameworks and our capacity to halt the financing of terrorism, which poses a threat to the integrity of the international financial system. To understand the implications of this i'm joined by david lewis in paris he's the managing director and global head of aml advisory in the forensic investigations and intelligence practice at Kroll. david is also former executive secretary of the financial action task force here in south africa we have investec bank limited chief executive officer richard wainwright and group head of compliance at investec tulani koneni to all of you a very warm welcome to this special podcast. David Lewis, let me come to you first.
1: You've seen this before, a country grey-listed. Tell me, why has it happened? Well, I guess the first thing that it's important to understand is that this is not a punitive measure by the FATF. It's actually intended to provide additional support and motivation for cooperating countries that have challenges and need help. You're not in the same bucket as Iran and North Korea, so that, that's that's important to get right off off the bat. Secondly, don't panic. You know, keep calm and carry on. And that's very much about doubling down on what you're already doing uh, in the financial sector, in particular, understanding your risks and ensuring that you're putting in place measures that are commensurate with those risks. And then thirdly. Good communication with all parties so that everyone understands what exactly it means to be listed and what it doesn't mean, because there's a lot of myths around this. So, understanding it's not a punitive measure, keeping calm, carrying on, and then communicating well. And so,
0: David, where then did we fall short, and what do we need to do to get off that list?
1: Well, let me pause and go back a little bit. I think it's worth just setting out very briefly what it is that South Africa needs to do. It needs to increase its international cooperation on the law enforcement side. It needs to increase its use of financial intelligence. So all that useful information that financial institutions are providing by way of suspicious transaction reports, suspicious activity, that all needs to be made much better use of by law enforcement. And then there needs to be more investigations and prosecutions, particularly of what we call complex money laundering, as well as as well as terrorist financing. And then a particular issue with South Africa, which is actually not, not that uncommon, is beneficial ownership. So accurate and up-to-date information on those people who are ultimately owning and controlling companies and trusts operating in South Africa. That information needs to be available at least to competent authorities. Uh, and that's an important one. Um, those measures really relate to the criminal justice system. And it's those guys that need to do most of the work. It's in the public sector where most of the work needs to be done. But there is some impact on the private sector. It's largely, however, on what the FATF calls designated non-financial professions and businesses. So what we're talking about there are lawyers, accountants, casinos, real estate agents, trust and companies, service providers, that kind of thing. And supervision of those non-financial sectors needs to improve significantly. But I also note that the FATF is calling for all supervisors to apply effective and dissuasive sanctions in cases of non-compliance. So that's, in a sense, what South Africa needs to do to get off the list. In terms of timeframes, while no dates for the action plan have been published, there will be dates. The FATF and the authorities in South Africa will be aware of those dates. each of those action items I talked about, we don't know what they are. They may come to light sooner or later. Typically, it takes at least 18 months. Most plans are at least 18 months. Given the amount of work South Africa needs to do, particularly around criminal justice measures, I would expect it to take longer than that. And you could be looking at two years plus before South Africa's off the list.
0: Richard Wainwright, I'm going to get to you in just a moment. But David, globally, in your opinion, how much reputational damage are we likely to suffer as a result of our inclusion on the
1: list? So it's difficult to say, but hopefully not too much. I'd say there's a fairly good understanding around the world of the journey South Africa has been through in recent years, and that it's on the up despite the challenges that it continues to face. So I think by and large, this is part of the story of South Africa emerging from a darker period, if you like. and, And I think there's a good news story to be had here. Richard,
0: in the meantime, then you've been listening to David. What, in your opinion, are some of the potential consequences for the country for as long as we're on this list? So thanks, Jeremy. Yeah,
2: further to what David was saying earlier, I, I agree with him. You know, At the outset, he was saying for us to remain calm whilst we have some challenges. It's not all that bad in the short term. You know, Reviewing the report and having seen firsthand all the work that our regulators, being the Reserve Bank, the Prudential Authority, National Treasury in particular, have done together with the banking industry and, and the uh, insurance industry, how they've responded over the last two years. I think in the short term, the consequences will not be that bad and will be relatively immaterial. The longer we stay on the list, particularly I would say my sense is if we don't get off this list in the next, some people are saying 18 to 24 months, I think having a look at some of the timing around the FATF's next review, let's say 24 to 36 months. If we make a lot of progress in those two to three years and have a really high chance of getting off the list, I think the long-term consequences will be negligible. So for me, it's what we do now over the next 24 to 36 months. And I think David has set that out clearly what, you know, in his view where we
0: need to focus. Richard, all of that then is on a bigger scale, but I want to bring it home now, if we can. As head of a financial institution, what is this going to mean for InvestEx clients? And as a globally connected bank and investment manager, how then do you provide support?
2: I think for our clients, whether it's a private individual or a corporatized entity who operates internationally and has international banks and international trade and international savings, which many of our clients do have, I think in the next 12, 24, 36 months, it is going to be an irritant because, you know, our international banks, including the South African banks that have an offshore subsidiary like we do, we have a bank in the UK. Our clients are going to be regarded as high risk and will be subject to what they refer to as enhanced due diligence, the issues around beneficial ownership, source of funds, We will have to do certain work which once, prior to being on the list would have happened once, maybe twice in their lifetime, will now be done annually. So the cost of compliance that international banks will incur will be higher. It may make banking and trading and investing internationally slightly higher for our clients. Clearly, we as Investec are well set up for this. And, you know, just speaking on behalf of all the banks, we know the kind of effort that they've been through in getting ready for this. David spoke earlier about, you know, communication and cooperating internationally. We have certainly been speaking to our correspondent banks and the international banks with whom our clients transact and who we as a a bank transact. We've been talking to them over the last 18 months, keeping them very informed of the work we've been doing and our regulators have been doing. So I think while it'll be an irritant, we are fortunately all of our clients will still be able to operate, particularly those that are, you know, are up to date with all their information that they have. But I think the longer you stay on, I mean if we don't get off this list in twenty four to thirty six months, then things could
0: change quite materially. Richard, we can't have this conversation without highlighting other big issues facing South Africa, slow economic growth, the ongoing power crisis that's deterring investment in the country, and our ongoing unemployment crisis. Again, coming back to that word timing, it couldn't have happened at a worse possible juncture.
2: No, I agree. Uh, Timing is terrible. It's just another negative factor, whilst on its own, as I've said, in isolation on its own, it's not that bad in the short term. But when you add it up, you know, to all the things that you've just mentioned, it does make it difficult. So my personal view is that our power issue, the load shedding that we're experiencing, is the biggest single factor that we're having to deal with. Clearly, this particular, going on this list now, our regulators and our criminal justice system in particular is going to be under a lot of pressure to, to start acting. So it's just another thing that I think the government in particular has to deal with. Getting us back into a higher growth scenario, dealing with all the issues that foreign investors are looking at, whether it's corruption, energy shortages, it's, a lot of, it's a becoming a long list of things that we have to deal with. And uh, we've really got to get, you know, this kind of thing under control. I must say from, from, and I know David was consulting with the banking industry here in South Africa. Our regulators, National Treasury, the Reserve Bank, the Prudential Authority, have taken this extremely seriously and pulled out all the stops to deal with this. It's now whether the the government can deal with the other crises that we're
0: dealing with. And uh, time will tell on that. Tulani, let me bring you into this conversation now. This affects many facets of the economy. How is the broader financial sector thinking about it? And what then are the major concerns?
3: Yeah, I think it's important just up front to state that this review was not of the financial sector. So the review was focused on our entire system of managing money laundering and the financing of terrorist activity. So all of the action items that came out of the review related to our entire system. The concern I have therefore, and I think it's shared by colleagues in the financial sector, is that if one part of the system doesn't work, we may still stay on the gray list, no matter how well other parts of the system work. So, for example, if the banks issue all the STR, suspicious transactions, report on time, and the FIC also gives their reports on time to the prosecuting uh, authorities or law enforcement, but nothing happens, the whole system isn't working. The whole system only works when all parts of it are working. So the biggest concern that I have is if one part of the system doesn't pull its weight or is found not to have made significant progress by the time we go back to FATF uh, in January of 2025, we face a real risk of staying on the grey list.
0: Talani, as you say, all systems, then need to work in tandem. They need to work together. So let's take a step back. The Financial Action Task Force has questioned our processes, regulations and compliance. In your opinion, then, where exactly are the cracks and how can we change the situation beyond what
3: has already been highlighted? So Jeremy, it's it's complex, like I've, I've said, because there are so many parts uh, to the system. So initially we had 67 action items that were identified in the draft report that was issued last year. Interestingly, the banks came up really well in that review. There were no significant concerns at all surrounding banking. And um, there were issues, for example, regarding law enforcement, there were issues regarding the non-financial sector, some issues relating to the smaller banks and uh, oversight by regulators. So the 67 action items cut across all parts of the system, as I've described it. Currently, uh, we have eight Significant actions that were identified in the final report. So, significant progress has been made since the draft report was issued uh, up to the time that the final report is issued. And this is something that FATF actually recognized uh, and acknowledged uh, in their report. Obviously, we are gray listed, which means we haven't done quite enough uh, or we hadn't made quite enough progress to avoid gray listing.
0: We are going to continue this important conversation in just a moment. I would like to remind you that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Please don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please take a moment to rate it. All right, David, let me come back to you. This listing means that we're going to be on the European Union's high-risk third countries list, as well as the UK's high-risk jurisdiction list. What exactly then does that mean for South Africa?
1: Well, first of all, the FATF list is a starting point for the EU to come up with their own list. And their list is called a list of you know, high-risk third countries. It's a slightly different list in that respect then to the the FATF list. So they are concerned about the integrity of the EU single market, about their internal security and threats to that. And so they start off when creating their list by looking at the FATF list. And although it's not an automatic process, and so South Africa won't automatically be added, I think it's quite likely that South Africa will end up on the EU list. Exactly when, again, is not entirely clear. The last time the EU updated their list was in January this year, and it does tend to take them a while to get around to reviewing and updating it. So it could take a while, but you can expect it to happen. The UK and and the US, they also issue their own lists, but those lists tend to follow almost exactly the FATF list. So it's the EU one that's slightly more interesting. And what it requires is enhanced due diligence on all business relationships and transactions with countries on that list. And so some of the things that includes would be obtaining additional information on the customer or the beneficial owner, uh, on the intended nature of the business relationship, as Richard said, on the source of funds, source of wealth of the customer and beneficial owner, uh, and the reasons for intended or performed transactions. So there'll be more friction there. It'll be a bit of an irritant. But to be honest, those are things that would probably be done anyway. The FATF itself doesn't require enhanced due diligence, but there's not much less than those additional measures that that, that can be taken. So I would expect those things to be happening anyway, although the European Union does require it in all cases. And then the last thing I think to mention is that although the FATF list is a starting point for the EU list, once you're on the EU list, coming off the FATF list does not automatically lead to coming off the EU list. So the EU will need to be satisfied separately um, that South Africa has done what it thinks it needs to do in order to come off the EU list. So it's slightly more impactful than the FATF list, and it could take a little bit longer, but you might start at a, a later point.
0: Richard Wainwright, I'm hearing a lot of hard work ahead. So with what David is saying, I'm assuming that getting foreign investment into South Africa is going to be that much tougher, surely? Jeremy, on its own, again, I
2: don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think the enhanced due diligence that David was referring to, I think we can do that. I think the challenges of getting investment into the country, look, there are, there are many, many European companies that have invested for decades in South Africa and on the continent, with long, long long-standing relationships. I think, you know, compared to the other challenges that we have, particularly around economic growth, broader industrial policy, and, and dealing with our power shortages are much more critical for companies that are looking to invest in this part of the continent. So I think we have to deal with those challenges. I can say that, you know, when I speak to some European clients, they are very friendly towards South Africa. Many of them have very good investments that they've made here over the decades. So those other challenges are, for me, are much more important if we want to attract additional investment from those global companies. And you know, the other thing that we're facing at the moment is with the rebalancing of supply chains around the world, whether it's European companies or North American companies, attracting that kind of investment and, and the investment landscape is changing because people are making themselves more resilient, moving away, you know, less reliant on China, for example, Uh, looking for alternative places for production of and participation in their supply chains. For me, the biggest issue is, as I said earlier, is the other factors. I think FATF does make it slightly tougher, but I don't think
0: materially so at the moment. So, David, let's pick up on what Richard is saying. Obviously, it's a key priority to get off the list. But are there other longer term consequences
1: that we should be paying attention to? I mentioned earlier there's a potential upside here, and I think it's important to see this as an opportunity in the longer term. It will lead to stronger defences in a relatively short period of time. And that should give investors confidence, ultimately, in the system South Africa's got in place. I've seen a lot of countries come on and, and go off the list, and it's a tough, tough process. But without exception, all of them say that they're stronger for it. And in fact, the evidence is that those countries who've been through the ringer, if you like, and exited successfully, actually have stronger systems in place than many of the countries that have never been listed. Uh, so I think, looked at through that light, this is something that you can draw confidence from in the longer term. And I, I just end up by referencing what the National Treasury said on this announcement. And, and their message was that the cost of increased monitoring will be substantially lower. And the long-term costs of allowing South Africa's economy to be contaminated by the process of crime and corruption and going forward Talani
0: when
3: we get off the list the monitoring I imagine doesn't stop does it well the point about this is we are under constant monitoring and review as a member of the FATF because they've now decided for example that they will do these reviews every six years so we are likely to have another review, full-blown review in the next few years. So when we get off the list, obviously the additional due diligence requirements on our clients when they transact internationally fall off. But we have to keep all the standards that we've introduced to get off the list. Otherwise, there's a serious risk that we may get back on it.
0: Richard, a final question to you then. It's been said in this conversation that we need to work hard to get off the list. Where do you sit? Are you confident that this is possible?
2: Yeah, Jeremy, I'm reasonably confident. I think you mentioned 18 to 24 months. I think we should recalibrate that 24 months to 36 is more realistic. If I see how National Treasury and, and the Reserve Bank and others have you know, worked really hard to get to where we are, we haven't really had a chance to display how we've executed and policed on a lot of new regulations that have been introduced in the last 12 months. I think that that will happen. And uh, I think there's very real buy-in from the government and all the private sector participants to deal with this as quickly as possible. So I I remain reasonably confident that we're going to be able to do this. The biggest challenge is what David referred to at the beginning, the the criminal justice system. We have seen in the last uh, six to eight months that side of the government starting to work harder at this in terms of prosecuting and dealing with certain of the items that get reported by the banks. So let's just hope we continue to improve that. So I think all stakeholders understand the consequences of of not getting this right. So at the moment, I remain uh, cautiously optimistic that we'll get off.
1: Maybe, Jeremy, if I could add that I think Richard's right in saying 24 to 36 months is is more realistic. There's a lot to do. Money laundering investigations, particularly complex ones, take a long time. So, to increase the number of those is not something you can do overnight. And South Africa needs to rebuild its capacity, its capability for investigating, you know, serious organised crime and 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 money laundering. And I'm confident that it will do that. And it started to do that, but uh, that takes a while. And then in the next few months. It's really important to focus on open communication and engagement with clients, with regulators. Keep an eye out for the regulators stepping up enforcement action. Stay on top of your risks, goods, customer due diligence, and don't cut corners to make a quick buck. Not right now.
0: And that's where we are going to leave it. So David Lewis, Tulani Kuneni and Richard Wainwright, thank you for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. Just a quick note, the grey listing comes after the finance minister Enoch Godongwana delivered his 2023 budget for in-depth analysis of the budget by Investec experts. Please go to investec.com forward slash budget. Please join us again on the 15th of March as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, from me, Jeremy Mags and the entire Focus Radio team, thank you for listening. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.